Welcome to TribCast, the flagship podcast of the Lacrosse Tribune. I'm Scott Rada. And I'm Elizabeth Byer. And today we're going to talk to two area legislators in the wake of the special session last week where uh, Republicans pushed through two bills that limited the power of incoming Governor Tony Evers and incoming Attorney General Josh Call. We should tell our listeners that we did reach out to several area legislators of both parties. The only two to respond on the show today are Democrat Jennifer Schilling and Democrat Jill Billings. Democrat Jennifer Schilling represents Wisconsin's 32nd Senate District. Although she wasn't on the ballot in November, she was recently re-elected as Minority Leader of the State Senate. Jennifer, there's been some reporting the GOP leaders in Wisconsin have been working on this bill since uh, that special election this spring. When did you first hear about it? Well, we first heard uh, after the election that there would be additional bills brought up in the special session. And if you remember, the extraordinary session was called to deal with the Kimberly Clark uh, Corporation in Northeast Wisconsin and keeping five to 600 jobs there and looking at a, an incentive package, uh, some say similar to Foxconn, uh, to keep those jobs there. And they broadened the bills, uh, kept the door open in the extraordinary session to introduce these other pieces of legislation that were geared to strip powers away from the incoming administration, which is a democratic control of the attorney general's office and the governor's office. And when you first heard about those efforts, were you surprised? Yes, we had heard during the week after the, uh, you know, leading up to special session and, and the week that it was introduced, um, some ideas and, and sitting down with majority leader Fitzgerald saying it was technical in nature, that we probably wouldn't get too excited about it. It was inside baseball. And on Friday at 4.30 when the bills were introduced, uh, it, it caught a lot of people off guard and was honestly jaw-dropping to the, the depth and the breadth of uh, undermining an incoming administration. And nothing had ever been done like that before. We have, the legislature's been in lame duck session uh, a handful of times in the past, and it's been about appointments, state employee contracts. I think back in the 60s, there was a Rose Bowl committee that needed an, an appropriations for that. But to the, the degree of um, undermining the incoming administration and the legislature, which remains under Republican control, inserting itself into the administration for oversight and basically permission that now needs to be asked of the Republican-controlled legislature, we had never seen that. And I really believe that this was driven by uh, Speaker Voss and that uh, Many of my colleagues offline said, look, we're not looking to do this. This is Nobody campaigned on this, um, but certainly it is uh, reinserting control over um, a body that has had the three branches of government for the last eight years. Uh, and um, we, we are seeing, I think, some defiance. And uh, again, it, it does not help the tone and the civility and working together bipartisanship moving forward. We're now... Uh, the Republican majority has stripped away powers and is inserting itself saying you need to ask the legislature for permission to do some of the duties and responsibilities that the governor and attorney general have historically had the power to do. There are leaders in the state, frankly from both parties, who are suggesting Scott Walker take a close look at this and use his uh, veto pen to strike down parts or all of this. Uh, Governor-elect Evers, did it seem terribly optimistic that would happen over the weekend? Do you hold, hold out any hope there? 
Um, I believe that the governor was in discussions when this was being crafted, and so he is well aware of uh, the intent of this legislation. Uh, former Governor Scott McCallum, I think, has reached out. Governor Jim Doyle had a press conference. I don't know if Governor Thompson quietly has uh, talked to uh, Governor Walker about this. I fully expect the governor to sign the bills so that the intent of this will be followed through. There might be some small technical vetoes that the governor has said in the past. He vetoed some of this legislation in budgets. Uh, but I, I, I call upon the governor to think about his own legacy. And that is what many people have asked him to do, to think about the legacy that he would leave behind. And again, this has never been done before. And to think about how um, you know, we would not have been in special session had Scott Walker and Brad Schimmel won re-election in November. If this does get uh, signed into law in, in, in much of the same way as it was passed, uh, many people expect there'll be lawsuits filed, on, and Governor-elect Evers has said so much. For folks who aren't familiar with that process, kind of explain how that would unfold. And I believe that you need to remember like the will of the people is being undermined, that this is going against the voters on November 6th who elected Tony Evers and uh, Josh Call to t follow through on some of the issues they talked about, that Josh Call had talked about withdrawing from the Affordable Care Act lawsuit in, in Texas. Tony Evers talked about accepting Medicaid dollars. It's a dangerous precedent that if Republicans don't agree with the legitimacy of, a, of an election, they will change the rules on the way out. And so it's been said that they rig the elections if they win, they rig the elections when they lose. And so the voters have spoken, it was a fair election. Um, and for them to say, as an example, too many people voted, we're gonna curb early voting now. And rather than having a community having six weeks of early voting, it's now gonna be two weeks. Now that's been struck down in court. So as an example, talking about going to court to uh, reaffirm how some of these positions have played out, but yes, I believe that Josh Call and uh, Tony Evers, they are you know, first appealing for a veto. Second of all, looking at then what would happen in you know, going to the courts if there are constitution, constitutional questions and overreach uh, that this legislation uh, embarks upon. No matter how this ends up, and we're not gonna ask you to speculate here, but I will ask you to speculate how this will kickstart the uh, budget process, as I'm sure you know, uh, Governor-elect Tony Evers and, and Lieutenant Governor-elect Mandela Barnes will be in La Crosse and other stops around the state here in the next few weeks listening to folks about what priorities they have for the next state budget. And that's a conversation that will be happening down in the Capitol here fairly soon. It was tough when all the Republicans held uh, the legislature the and the governor's chair. How do you think it will go this time when the governor is of a different party? When Republicans controlled both houses and the governor's uh, office that sometimes they didn't like or know what the right hand and the far right hand were doing. And so now suddenly you need to do with the right hand and the left hand. And um, I'm pleased to see that Governor-elect Evers will be doing public open tours, listening sessions about building the people's budget. Uh, there's been some talk that we'll start the budget. The governor, Evers, will introduce his budget in, in February some or something and the Joint Finance Committee controlled by Republicans may very well say, look, we're not going to accept that. We are gonna work off of the governor's, the base budget of, of where the governor ended funding levels in, in, this, in the last uh, budget cycle. So I, I think that you know, we, we are gonna have some growing pains. I, I hope that we can understand each uh, the roles that we, we play, but also that 
uh, and I just left the chamber breakfast earlier this week, and they said, look, you don't want this. The voters don't want this. We want you to get along. We want you to be problem solvers. We don't want gridlock. I certainly don't want two to four years of political leaders yelling at each other and pointing fingers and two to four years of leaders then calling us into court. And it's expensive. It's not a wise use of time and resources. And again, that's not what the voters want. So I think we do have checks and balances by having um, a shared control of the executive branch and the, and the legislature. And I hope that we can find some compromise. We can listen to each other and we can take ideas from both, but there's gotta be the willingness to trust one another. And trust is a hard thing to find in the Capitol these days. Senator, thank you for your time. Thank you. Democrat Jill Billings of La Crosse represents Wisconsin's 95th Assembly District. You were lucky enough to run unopposed in November. <laughs> yes, I was. So uh, welcome to TribCast. It was a contentious uh, couple of days in Madison. It was. It's um, this. Some people who actually were there during the Act 10 debates during, like early in the decade, said that this was worse. In a pretty compact amount of time. Yes, I believe 36 hours. I counted 36 hours that I drove to Madison, uh, was there, and up through the night, and then drove home. You know, there is, much like Act 10, you know, there's a lot of attention paid to this right now. There were a lot of people protesting, and obviously some people who may support this. But do you think two years from now, this will be remembered when folks go back to the ballot box? And, and I guess... If you want them to, how do you continue to remind them of what went down a couple of weeks ago or last week? I think a lot a lot of people who are legislators have people in our districts that we kind of use for our check-in people, people who don't follow politics very, very closely. They vote and they're engaged. but um, And those type of people remember this. They know that this was something that was odd. This was funny. They didn't like it. Uh, they saw it as extreme. And so I I think that people will remember some of this. Yes, I do. And can you just sort of talk us through, you said it was, you know, 36 hours you were in the Capitol. I know the bill's language was released a few days earlier on that Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of just walk us through how that time period went and, and, and how you and your staff sort of kept engaged and, and kept fighting the fight? Well, in September, actually before the election even occurred, I know that the majority leaders in the legislature had looked at the um, possibility that there would be a Democratic governor. And so I started thinking about what they wanted to do, how they could game things to benefit themselves uh, while they still had the legislature and the governor's office. So discussions were going on way back in September before the elections. But legislation was only really released and given to the public and to members in the assembly last Friday. But before the election, were you, I mean, it's been reported that (laughs) Speaker Voss and others were talking about this. Were you aware of these conversations too? I think the theme of this legislation is behind closed doors because a lot of this happened behind closed doors and it literally happened in the dark of night. Um, so the on a Friday, the legislation was published, first chance to take a look at it. On Monday, it went to the Joint Finance Committee. Very unusual, 
very extremely unusual to have legislation introduced on a Friday and then on Monday morning, Joint Finance Committee would have to debate and vote on it. The Joint Finance Committee went all through the day, hundreds of people testifying. Um, no one was really in favor. One person was kind of iffy, possibly in favor of it. Otherwise, every single person was opposed. I saw numbers that were like 1,400 plus people registered in opposition. Uh, they had overflow rooms. That shows how extreme this legislation was. So the Joint Finance Committee debated it, uh, voted on it um, after, all, by the time they were done with all the legislation, it was after midnight. And then uh, the next morning, uh, went into caucus with my members. Their members were also caucusing separately and looking at the details of the bill. And then we were on the floor at one o'clock. Uh, so that Friday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, quick rush is really not usually done. It's very rare. Um, so I knew that there, a lot of their members, I think it sat in an uncomfortable way with a lot of their members because where in previous sessions we're kind of in the side parlor and we're visiting, we're eating together, we're um, kind of getting other business done at the same time, this was very different feel. Their members were in their offices or in caucus. Uh, we were, there are hours where our members were alone on the floor and talking to their members, especially those who were leaving and who were not reelected, they did not like this legislation, but they still voted for it, most of them. And do you think this will make uh, it even tougher when everybody has to come together and pass a budget, theoretically, sometime this summer? Well, the thing I know about uh, Governor-elect Evers is he's a rise above type of person. You know, he's a go high guy. Uh, but it is, he has said, uh, this is a terrible way to start where we have a divide and a divide in our state. This is a terrible way to start the session off. Um, he called it a hot mess mm -hmm. and I'm in agreement with him. Um, that being said, you know, I've always reached across the aisle and worked on legislation while we were there. I was talking with one of the leaders on a bill that he promised me I'd get through in January and I had to remind him of that. And so kind of got some business done on the side with all the debate going on on the, on the main bills. But but do you think uh, once we have a governor, Tony Evers, that he should expect any honeymoon period in Madison? <laughs> well, the problem is that generally the time between the election and being sworn in, uh, that month between, you know, the end of November to December, it's usually a time where legislators can stop and turn from elections where you're, you know, just kind of fighting it out and debating and this is why I'm so great. Then you have to make a turn, I think, once you get elected and you have to start thinking, I'm part of a larger body and uh, we have to see ways that we can work together. Pushing through this really bad legislation in the dark of night that took power away from the executive branch that that I uh, feel undermine the will of the people just really leaves people in a tense tense feeling on both sides of the aisle. Thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. As we said at the top of today's show, we invited legislators from both parties to be part of today's episode. Although we did not hear from any Republicans wanting to take part, we did receive a statement from Republican Tree Przinsky, and you can find a link to that statement on our website next to this podcast. On a much lighter note, 
Stay tuned next week as a number of Tribune staffers get together and talk about some of their favorite or possibly not so favorite Christmas movies just in time for the holidays. That is on Tribcast next week. Until then, thanks to our guests and Elizabeth Byer. I'm Scott Rada. Keep listening.